Tuesday with Tamika. Thank you guys so much for joining me for yet another episode of Tuesday with Tamika, where y'all already know what it is. We believe in lifting as we climb, turning those trials into treasures, living a life to inspire and not impress, and allowing God to fully restore us. I am super excited about today's podcast. I know that it's going to be another life-changing episode. If you are new to Tuesday with Tamika, I am your life and relationship coach to Tamika Thomas, and I believe that God has put me on this planet to help folks heal, elevate, and become fully restored. I want to start our podcast off with a story that actually happened maybe a month or two ago now. I was on the 10 freeway in Los Angeles, and anybody that knows anything about LA traffic knows that it is not it. And we were literally going about 10 miles per hour. I looked down at my phone, shame on me, I know, but I looked down on my phone and as I looked up, I rear-ended the car in front of me. Now, mind you, we were going at such a slow speed, it was literally just a bump. However, that way that I rear-ended them triggered something in their past. So when we pulled over and we began to exchange um, insurances and license information and all that stuff, the wife jumped out and she was in a frantic like state and she was upset and she was angry. And I thought like, what the heck is wrong? And she's like, we just got in another car accident and our car was total and our kids were in it. So my little bump triggered something that she had not dealt with, that she had not um, like really unpacked and lived through. I believe that that's how a lot of us are going through life. We keep hitting these little bumps. There's things that bump into us, whether it's a bad relationship, whether it's a bad review from from work, whether it's someone cutting you off in traffic, something that seems small. It seems like this bad, this small little bump, but it triggers something inside of us that has gone unhealed for many years. I think that my guest today knows a little bit about that because y'all, life be lifing. And if you have lived any little bit of life, you know that these bumps are inevitable. Inevitable. We are going to have them. Things are going to bump into us. But here's the thing. When you are the architect, when you are the author, when you are the artist, of your life, you get to decide and design how you want this thing to play off. So I don't want to go too much further into it. I want to bring my amazing guest in so she can add to this conversation of the bumps and bruises of life. Hey, sis, you have a minute? Hey, sis, you got 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 a minute? Hey, Tamika. Yes. Thank you for having me on. Oh, thank you so much for being here. Tell the TWT family a little bit more about yourself. Hi, everyone. My name is Christina Smeriglio, though you can call me Christy. I am a writer and editor and recently published author. And I love everything that Tamika just said. It is so true. There's so much to be said in this area. And I love that she brought it up because I can definitely speak to it. Because my work also has a lot to do with triggers and uncovering trauma and really confronting ourselves as a way to become better and lead to our best selves and fulfill our potential. So I'm really happy to be here. Thank you. 
Oh, you are so welcome. I know that this is going to be a beautiful conversation that unfolds. So I just like that that lady, you know, that couple that I rear ended. Um, how often have you had like rear like things like um metaphorically rear end you and then it's like you have this breakdown or you have this thing and people are like it wasn't that deep but for for you because of maybe not dealing with a big accident that happened in the past or a big trigger that happened in the past it caused you to act a certain way let's let's kind of get into that so I love that that's actually something that has been coming up recently me in my life, I love to psychoanalyze myself like every single day. I love it. It's I blame it on my background in psychology and just this ever, you know, desire to really analyze my situation. And I have a brief anecdote even recently. And this is something that's kind of come up fairly often. And just to get a little personal here, my fiance I remember sometimes like I'll be asking for something and he'll, you know, he may not necessarily give it to me, but we have stepdaughters together, right? So his daughters, they're my stepdaughters and he'll give it to them. And I was like, oh, but aren't we a family? Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, but they're children, right? Like you're an adult. And I remember I was like, oh, I remember used to trigger me because I'm like, I knew it wasn't anything against me obviously like I know the man loves me and I love him and I was like but something really bothers me about this statement like what is it about me being the adult now that mm -hmm. I you know maybe can't get the same kind of treatment or what is it and you know I started to really reflect because it came up a few times and I couldn't really hit on it so much but you know recently I started thinking I'm like where is this coming from and it actually made me reflect on my childhood and how in some ways, even though I had a very beautiful childhood, right? Because I'm thinking my stepdaughters are children. So I kind of put myself like, how was I when I was a child? And even though I had a very beautiful childhood, like I traveled a lot, I was never without. I remember there were certain moments where I felt like something I would ask for, or like my voice in general was silence, right? Like, so maybe my physical needs were being met, but my emotional needs weren't. And so here I was kind of relating these desires that I was asking for, right? These requests to those emotional needs in the past not being met, right? Because I feel like I would ask for certain things or ask for certain help. And at the moment, like I didn't feel like I was getting that, mm -hmm. right? No fault to my parents, right? Like it's not to say that there was any fault there. Like this is something that I talk about even in my book. Like I know that my parents did the best that they could, but sometimes you don't realize how a child interprets something that you're saying to them you know and I have you know little anecdotes like that too but that was an example where I realized like it wasn't even about me like you know what I mean like it's it's not that my boyfriend was denying buying me cookies at the grocery store because I have to go against me you know but the reason I was so triggered is because I had that very old kind of sense of feeling neglected right it was an interpretation yeah. of certain moments in my childhood where I felt like man, I wasn't even asking for so much, but what mm -hmm. I was asking for, I wasn't getting. And it's like, oh, did I miss the boat because I didn't get it in childhood and now I'm an adult. Mm -hmm. So now I'm being perceived differently. I'm like, how can we kind of bridge that gap? So like, let's say whatever I didn't get in childhood, I can kind of give myself now, right? Because it's not about getting it from others, 
but feeling, you know, I realized this is an area of my life that I need to kind of nurture my inner child, so to speak, my inner teenager. So that, I would say that that's a little brief example. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so good. And you literally just took the words out of my mouth because oftentimes when we have these moments and it's almost like a tantrum or like, where is that coming right. from? It's you. <laughs> it's our inner child. It's it literally yeah. our inner child when they go silence and so many, I think, I think the number one population, right, is women because we are always told we even have the these princesses, princesses and these fairy tales that like they sit there, they're quiet, they're cute, they just stay in the corner. Like their voice, you know, Little Mermaid, her voice was literally taken for her to be in a relationship. And so we have these subconscious like programming that tells us your needs are not, your needs don't matter. Just wait for someone to come and sweep you off your feet and take care of you. And, and like you said there, I do believe that there's big T traumas and then there's little T traumas that we tend to sweep under the rug. Like that's not that big of a deal, but it is. I had a guest a couple of years ago. She wanted a certain thing cooked for her at her dinner. She was an Italian woman that she wanted like this certain type of pasta and her mom's like no I already did this that like left something with her to where she felt like what she needed or what she wanted didn't matter and so she went through her life attracting men that only gave her what they wanted not what she wanted like it's it's a big deal and I think people that don't cycle out. I'm like, how do these people just go about their life without, because I'm always in my head, Chrissy. I'm yes. always like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, am I normal or are they not normal? Like what's really going on? Right, what is it? <laughs> so I love that you have like these moments of like clarity and growth and elevation. Where did your healing journey like start and, and where has it left you? Well, I feel like I've always had the tendency to want to heal. I'm not exactly sure where that came from, but I do know that being, you know, so I myself am a child of divorce parents, you know, and then my mom got remarried and I have like the most amazing stepdad. So it's not even about that, but just even the relationship between my mom and my biological father and seeing those reactions and kind of coming to terms with my own reactions to him, right? Because I felt like I was kind of told to feel a certain way, right? Because mm -hmm. that's my mom. And I struggled a lot with that because I'm like, oh, like that's my mom. And you know, but this is my dad. How do I feel? So I remember like it started even as much as back then mm -hmm. where I kind of had to reflect on myself like, oh, but how do I feel? And, and you know, mm -hmm. kind of feeling my own feelings. And then as I got a little bit older, as a teenager, I started to kind of fall into this depression. I even had a lot of nervous tics that I that I know feel started in middle school and people used to make fun of me. And it kind of led to this, like I said, this depression, this anxiety. You know, I was having a hard time keeping, uh, making and keeping friends. You know, I started to like boys and they didn't necessarily like me back. So it led me to feel really sad. And that's actually when my writing journey started. Mm -hmm. And I used to write poetry and it was kind of my way to really put to paper my feelings and to start to identify them. What was really bothering me? How was I feeling about the other person? Because I really wanted to be in tune for some reason. I was very much in tune with my feelings, yeah. <laughs> even at a young age. And as I got older, my situation didn't necessarily improve and it actually kind of kept getting worse. 
So being someone that I always wanted to be happy, like I'm very much like a problem solver, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like I do get that from my parents as well. Like this sense of like, oh, there's a problem. We have to fix it. So Mm -hmm. that was kind of like a belief, you know, instilled in me. So my sadness was a problem that needed to be fixed, Mm -hmm. right? And my parents kept trying to fix it. And even some of my cousins and stuff, but something really wasn't working. So I had to tune inward. And that really kind of allowed me to stay on this journey where even back then, even though my journey actually with my faith has gotten even stronger more recently, I remember even as an adolescent, even if like, because I was raised in, you know, a Catholic household. So I had some familiarity with him, but You know, I remember feeling like having those moments with God, like even when I was suicidal, like as a teenager, I'm like, something needs to happen. But and I felt like God kind of gave me this light to keep going, right? Like he kept wanting me to keep going. So in order to keep going, I needed to heal. So Mm -hmm. even though I was very young and I didn't have a lot of, I guess, control over myself, like, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely different than myself as an adult now. But I still had that kind of guiding principle and this desire to heal. It's mm-hmm. just at the time, I didn't know how, right? I just kind of had these little moments pushing me forward. And then eventually, I, you know, I got my bachelor's in psychology and my license in NLP because I wanted to understand myself and understand others. Like, it was definitely a theme of my life. But when I wanted to go to grad school, I didn't necessarily know. I knew I wanted to help people that have been abused themselves because I had this experience and I wanted to help others. But at the time when I was exploring graduate programs, you know, I started to think of it like professionally, like, is this something that I can kind of sit the nine to five, help others listening to stories? And at the time I was 21 and it wasn't really like a thing for me at that point. Like, I still felt very young. I didn't feel confident in myself because I knew even I had a lot of healing left to do, right? right. So how to help anybody yet? And then I ended up getting um, into a master's program for writing and exploring my writing as a tool to really get to know myself and work with myself and others. It led me to like really dive deep into my healing. And when I started writing the story that became my first novel, kind of talking about these themes of, you know, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, I really got to unpack because I knew, I knew I was unhappy. I knew I wanted a relationship. I wanted friends. I really wanted something real and I wasn't getting it. So I'm like, how can I really dive into this trauma? What do I need to heal? I was so like desperate to fix whatever was stopping me from getting the life that I wanted that I knew I had to really unpack things. And so writing actually is what helped me to really unpack it. And then through writing this story, I've healed immensely. Obviously, the layers have continued, right? Because now we're on this journey of speaking about it. And it's definitely bringing up more layers and revealing (laughs) so much more. But, you know, my definitely my healing has started early on. It's definitely I've been like a little therapist since I was little. (laughs) Same. Oh, my God. I always think about how. I was the friend on the playground that all of my friends would tell, like I knew who everybody liked. I knew like all their family stuff. And although my family was like in shambles, people always wanted to come to our house. And I think it was a place of safety. Like I I think that God gave me this gift to make people feel safe. 
every time I'm like, I have a guest on the podcast, they're like, oh my God, I never shared that. Or I, you know, they'll say things like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm saying this. Or, and I just tell them like, that is definitely one of God's gifts that he's given me because I am like everyone's big sister. And I just make them, let them know like that they're okay. Um, something that you shared is really what I teach in my community is that we put stuff on paper on purpose. And I don't think people realize how healing writing is. Like writing is a modality that helps yep. us heal. You know, when we work with kids or when we work with younger populations, we'll tell them draw a picture. Well, because it has to move through your body. Like it has to get unstuck from your heart, your soul, your mind. And when we put it on paper, it almost makes it real. I know a lot of times when I was telling my stories of trauma, um, speaking about it, was one thing. But then once I started putting on paper, it's like, oh, you can't deny this. Like you can't deny that these things happen. It makes it so much real. Um, I, I love how, you know, when we were pre-interviewing, you were kind of telling me about how you started in one area of just your, your thesis and then it evolved. Let's talk about that and how Oh, this is a really juicy question that I want to ask. <laughs> how did you reconcile like having these conversations in a book that maybe you hadn't had in person or did you have those conversations in person? So there was a lot in my book that I really started to put like pen, I guess like pen to paper, some of the things I wish I would have said. A lot of the things that I was thinking, but I didn't have the voice to say them out loud. Mm -hmm. So even though a lot of the dialogue that I include is very real dialogue from conversations, <laughs> <laughs> like I really put it out there, you know, because there was a lot of people in my life, whether it was, you know, my mom or my cousin's wife, who was also like a very big person in my life during those years, or even some of the men that these events happened with, like they would tell me things. And I remember like, I was going through a lot in that moment. Like I couldn't communicate mm -hmm. what I was really feeling. Like I was really struggling trying to say how I really felt. Cause I was trying, like my focus was on the goal, right? Like I wanted a boyfriend. I felt like I needed to have a boyfriend and that's what everybody was kind of operating under. Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, if you want a boyfriend, you need to do X, Y, and Z. But what I realized, the reason why their advice wasn't necessarily so helpful is because these things kept happening to me. And, you know, I had had these very uncomfortable moments with men, very like abusive type of situations or just even just uncomfortable. Like, mm -hmm. why are we going through this? You know, where my it, it, like if your insights say no, you know, like, but you can't form it. Like if it's a no, it's a no. Right. It doesn't matter how small or big the moment is. and. But the focus with them trying to help me was on getting a boyfriend. And I remember thinking, okay, oh, so I have to make a guy wait three months and I have to say this and I have to text this way. And, but none of the conversations was talking about really how I felt mm -hmm. in those moments of like discomfort of feeling violated. So yeah, I kept getting advice that was valid, solid advice, mm -hmm. but I wasn't dealing with actually the healing the right root, so here I keep, like the actual root cause of why these things keep happening why am I continuing these patterns you know I eventually part of writing my thesis I actually interviewed my cousin's wife and I remember her telling me like oh you know after a while 
because you said you wanted a boyfriend, but you kept making the same mistakes. I just thought you were kind of lying about what you said you wanted. And, you know, maybe you just wanted to have fun, but didn't feel like you could, you know, really explore that. You know, that's part of what my story is too. Like, you know, I'm like, is it that I really wanted to have more of like a fun loving experience, but I knew it was wrong. So like, I was trying to like, be just like, I, I really went through that. But then I discovered like, no, like, if I was to have not been kind of like coaxed into getting into things too early, I would have been a very different person. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like, yes, I'm a grown woman, and I have certain feelings. But I wasn't really ready for all that when yeah. it happened. Like, yeah. it, it definitely happened sooner than it needed to. And I wasn't there. I know people my age that were there. They were ready for it. They were in that experimenting teenage hormone life, like in that mode where they were just like at a different pace. I wasn't necessarily at that pace, but those things were happening. You know, so when I wrote it in my thesis, which later became a novel, like I really got to say these things and really come to terms with that's what was happening, right? Like I really did want a boyfriend, but I wanted it the right way. But it's funny, I actually made a crazy discovery. Part of not even just realizing things that I would have said in person or anything like that. But I realized even just the underlying causes for some of these things that happen. Right? Mm -hmm. Like I remember my mom telling me like, you have to do what I say, right? She's my mom, Mm -hmm. right? And parents, they tell you like, we're your parents, we have the best interest for you, you have to do as we say, like, and it's kind of like this people pleasing type of, you know, instruction that we're given. And I remember that when I realized like, okay, I want a boyfriend. And then there was like this weird belief that to have a connection with somebody, even if it was a friend or a boyfriend, you have to do what they want. So even though that's not what my mom meant, my mom didn't say do what everybody wants. She meant, but my insights made it so like, intense in my brain that I have to do what my mom says that I generalized it now I have to do what everyone tells me you know even if I might feel like saying no I didn't ever have the confidence to say no to my mom at any point to say Mm -hmm. no to my dad or my grandparents so think about it I had no practice necessarily saying no even I was the youngest one of all my cousins I kind of went with what they wanted Mm -hmm. right like you know and that's and it's part of coming to terms with my own memories because yeah maybe my mom can say like oh you said no to this who knows but Mm -hmm. I know that the memory inside of me and what I need to deal with is that I don't remember saying no and being told that that's okay to say no Mm. like that's not the memory the memory that I have is do it as I say Mm -hmm. and which is part of one of the reasons why I wanted to make it fantasy too because Mm -hmm. if there are these moments that I did say no and my mom helped me why isn't my brain remembering them why did my brain hold on to the strict kind of do as I say? And that's what you have to listen to. So then all these other people kind of asked for what they wanted. And since I wanted a connection with them, I did it, right? Even if my insights weren't really about it, right? I remember so many times thinking, no, this is uncomfortable. Why am I here? But then I kept going or I just did it to get be able to leave, right? I'm like, okay, if I finish it'll be done and I'll move on. You know, so part of my healing has been coming to terms with like, 
whatever my childhood was, I'm remembering these very specific moments and they are like hitting me hard. Like I can remember the good ones, right? I have very, like I said, my, my childhood was really blessed when you think about it, right? Like traveling everywhere, you know, I had gifts, I had food, I like, I had everything, you know, I went out every weekend with my family members, but when it comes to like emotional needs and emotional self-esteem, I knew who I was inside, but I never spoke up for that person. Mm. I felt the need to please other people because I didn't want confrontation. I Mm. was like severely afraid. And maybe that's where, who knows, there could be a memory where I said no to my mom and she got so mad that I said, that's it. No more confrontation because I hate this in my life, you know? Wow. Wow. Man, this is so good. This is so, so good. So many things that you're talking about. And I'm like, I I just know that there's people that can resonate with it. Because when we're able to kind of pinpoint these things that seem to be quote unquote small, it really helps us to begin to heal. So one of the things that you, you shared, and I believe so many like and, and it's probably across cultures, but I know in African-American, I, I partic- particularly get a lot of African-American and Latina women that come into my practice. And a lot of times with the with our culture, um, we confuse love and care. We, we confuse those two. So we believe like, oh, they loved me because we did X, like we, we make a check mark. And then we end up doing that in relationships, right? So, well, of course this guy loves me because he pays the bills, he blah, 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 blah. But then we, that's care. That's like what they're supposed to do. Love is something deeper, right? It's something emotional. It's something to where I can say, I know this person loves me because when I fall apart, when I'm bad, quote unquote bad, like as a kid, they're, they're still there. There's that un- unconditional love for me. So I think that a lot of women, we need to um, unpack and like dissect this idea of love and care. And it, it comes from our childhood because we're, we even get told messaging like, uh, well, of course I loved you. I carried you for nine months. Well, you're supposed to do Bye. that. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't ask you to, I didn't jump into your belly. Like you- right what you you know like or I carried you or I fed you like that's care like that's what you're supposed to do for a child so I think when we begin to unpack those things it's easier for us to understand even how we what we need and what love looks like for us the other thing that you said um that I think is so so like real and just like something like a conversation that needs to be had is about what's real, right? I just po- I just posted something on my Instagram. Last night, I couldn't go to bed. And I posted a quote on Instagram. And I said, questioning or second guessing your memories is a big part of healing that people like, ne- like negate, like they just think like, because I've gone, I go through that where I'll be sitting here and like a memory will pop up. And I'll be like, is that real? Or did I make that up? That really like, happened, right? Like, did <laughs> Did that really happen? Did I make that up? And I don't think enough people talk about that because I'm sure like it's a human, it's a human thing for us to be like second guessing. But I think that that's when we begin to heal. Like when our brain begins to unlock things and begins, because our brain's number one job is to keep us safe. So there's a lot of things that we will never, we won't remember because our brain's like, yeah, she can't handle that. But then like some those bumps, right? Those those being rear-ended will unlock something. And then we're like, oh crap. 
that's real. Like that really did happen. Now, what do I do with it? So in your book, I love, I absolutely love and adore how you chose like the fantasy and like non or nonfiction route to really give your inner child, your adolescence, your young adult self voice and, and to talk about these things that probably like you, like in, in your physical true being didn't have the ability or the capability to do. So giving that story voice, like is such a beautiful, beautiful way. And I know a lot of authors do that and it ultimately helps them heal. And now for commercial break. Hey sis, have you pre-ordered Unpacking? This is my newest book packed with 43 lessons to help you unpack hidden trauma. This book is for the strong girls. This book is for the brave girls. This book is for the resilient girls. This book is for the girls that has that trauma tucked away that you have never dealt with because you didn't have a safe place to unpack. Well, here it is, sis. I have literally poured my heart and my mind into this book to help you unpack. So go ahead and pre-order your book at Tuesday with Tamika backslash unpacking so we can unpack together. get into this tell us a little bit more about this book and where we can find it where we can follow you give us the all the cheese may about this book the details <laughs> for sure excuse me yeah so the book is called falling into fire and you can find it pretty much anywhere you know barnes and noble amazon you know you could also go to a store they can have access to order it um this story really is definitely the journey of my healing especially at a deep level but that beginning level right so even after writing it I have realized that the healing has gone even deeper right but this story really allowed me to confront a lot of things that were holding me back right because I knew that there was something wrong with the fact that I couldn't really sustain friendships, I couldn't sustain any kind of relationships. I was attracting all the wrong people in my life. You know, well, wrong in the sense of like there was a disconnect. Maybe right in a grander scheme because right they're helping me unpack these traumas, but there was a lot of always a lot of conflict, and it comes from my thesis, which the reason I even feel the need to mention my thesis is because it is a part of the journey. And it's almost interesting to read the thesis first and then the novel, because even in the thesis, like there was so much that happened while writing it. Mm -hmm. Like I used to think that my story was like a traditional kind of like overcoming sin story. Like mm -hmm. I remember feeling like there must be some lust inside of me that's leading to these moments of feeling violated and, you know, these moments of rape and abuse, like I really thought that if I can take ownership of whatever I was doing to cause it, right? Like in my head, I'm like, oh, maybe I'm filled with lust. And if I purge that lust, then it'll heal and I'll lead to this moment. And I remember working with my thesis advisor and she told me, she's like, do you realize that if you make your story about that, right? If you make your antagonists, lust 
Like you're essentially blaming the victim. You're essentially saying that the rape is your fault. And I'm like, oh, but isn't it? And she's like, no. <laughs> she's like, no, it's never your fault, right? Like if anything, what went against you, right? If anything, what this character represents is your doubt, not your lust, right? Like you had this doubt within you and that's kind of like a deeper layer of what needed to be healed. So I remember even just coming to terms with that, and even that character, even while writing as my novel, Falling Into Fire, that character evolved a lot too. And she evolves in the story. But that's just something I wanted to add because I feel like it says so much about the healing process. We think something is one way, but as we dive deeper and we start writing it, more gets revealed. And so in the story, we start Falling Into Fire with Christy, me, the writer, talking about what I'm wanting to heal. Mm. I was inspired by this painting. So Falling Into Fire takes place in the painting, The Garden of Earthly Delights by Hieronymus Bosch. Mm -hmm. And particularly in the center panel, where it is just a smorgasbord of people and all these different things. I had been introduced to this painting and there was something about it that kind of called me to it. Mm. So in the introduction of Falling Into Fire, we kind of get an overview of some of the traumas that I was trying to work through. And being inspired by this painting and wanting to tell a story to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And then we lead into the actual fantasy of it, where my main character, Priella, serves as like this avatar for me, right? Like mm -hmm. this avatar to really deal with all these experiences. So she goes into the Garden of Earthly Delights and she's navigating these desires, this want for a relationship, this connection with her best friend. She's navigating it through that setting. And through the use of actual moments with the main male character, as well as her best friend, we see her and also even moments with herself. There's a lot of questions in this book, right? Because I love like I always say my favorite punctuation mark is the question mark. Mm -hmm. And I love to ask questions. So there's a lot of questions in there. And in the story, she's kind of living her regular life, feeling like she wants to change. And she feels called to actually this tree is called the tree of um, spiritual truth. And there are cherries of spiritual truth. Like there's a lot of symbolism in my story um, having to do with the use of fruits and animals and people. So she takes a bite of this cherry and it kind of takes her on this sort of psychedelic trip. And what, what the cherry does is essentially peels back the layers, right? It takes the blinders off of her. So she's able to, go through the garden and analyze her experiences with the truth, right? Like no longer seeing it through rose colored glasses, no longer seeing it with these weird distortions and filters, right? She's able to confront herself and her experiences in a more real way. It's mm -hmm. a dark way because we realize how much she's been covering and just packing on top of her experiences and being distracted from what she really needs and who she really is. But through this kind of journey, she's able to navigate it. And it eventually leads to this confrontation, um, not to give too much away, but with the person who she really needs to confront. Mm -hmm. And it allows her to really dive into herself and really come to terms with accepting these experiences right mm -hmm. so not necessarily wiping them away but just coming to terms with them and is accepting them as a part of her experience and what it means for her and what her next steps are in just being her true self right like none of this 
that everyone kind of wants for her or what she thinks she wants, but what, who she really is. So that's pretty much what it's a journey of, right? It's a journey of self-discovery, a journey of identity, coming to terms with, you know, the evolution of sexuality, you know, in your younger years and what that means. So it's a little bit of everything as far as coming of age as a young woman. Um, so that's pretty much what it is. <laughs> it sounds like, oh my God, I'm like getting Alice in Wonderland and I'm getting like- Yes, I love Alice in Wonderland and Wizard of Oz. Definitely like an inspiration. Yes, I'm like seeing it. I, I definitely, yeah. when people talk, I can like see it. Like my brain like automatically starts to paint. <laughs> so I love that. I'm so excited. I'm so excited about this book. TWT Family. Well, well. How do we get a copy? You, I know you said Barnes and Noble. Where do, we, Noble where, do we, where do we give us your social media handle so they can go over and get in contact with you? Thank you. Yes. So like I said, the books can be found on Barnes and Noble on Amazon. You can go online and uh, purchase them through there. On Instagram and every other social media, it's going to be Christy Smeriglio. So my name, that's K-R-I-S-T-Y and my last name, which will be hopefully in the show notes there. So you can see the spelling. Um, I'm pretty much Chris, at Christy Smirglio on all social media platforms. Uh, you could also find me on my website at christysmirglio.com. Uh, and yeah, it can be reached through email, any form of contact, send me a DM, any questions you guys have. I love to talk about these experiences, even in, you know, this kind of format and just really build, you know, these conversations around these heavy hitting topics. So I'm always open to questions and having these conversations. So I love this. Ah, I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you guys. So or thank you so much, Christy. And we're definitely going to have all of her contact information, links to her book, all that good stuff in the show notes. So make sure that you go over to the show notes and join her community, follow her, look at her website, order a book, get one for maybe even a young girl coming of age that's going through these things. This can be an easy conversation piece for moms that don't know how to talk about these topics. Make sure you go over and uh, purchase this book. Make sure you also share this podcast with a friend. These topics need to be unearthed and need to be uncovered so we can all get free. Like I truly believe that God does not want us to live in like these condemnation bubbles feeling like we're bad and we're lustful and we we are these things. So this is a conversation that I hope frees you all the ones, all the people that are listening, TWT family, I greatly, greatly appreciate you. Make sure you go over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, like and rate the podcast. Give us those five stars so we can level up and we can get more listeners onto the podcast. Until next week, thank you guys so much. Bye-bye.